But before we start to read, let me pray. Lord Jesus, there are many things that we've read, and it's not always easy to remember many things. So we pray that you will be our teacher tonight, and that you will help us to understand what you say in the Bible, and help us to see what a blessed or favoured person is in your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely, on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your rewarding is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. But that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Keep the Bible open. And Natalie, I think, is going to take our children out and we'll stay behind and uh, learn from this passage. The children will learn from the passage too and we'll do it here. We pray, so uh, we'll start. Look, if I said these words, brand new, what kind of things would come into your mind? What's in the wish list? Uh, Paulette? A house, another brand new house. You've already got one brand new house. Uh, house is certainly a big on the wish list of people wanting brand new. Uh, how about cars? Who drives the clappers in church? Uh, would like that replaced with brand new. Uh, well, I guess that's too, that's too blokey, isn't it? Uh, what about girls? Who wants brand new kitchen? Yeah. Few, few, brand new body. Brand new body. <laughs> that is actually profound, isn't it? Because all of us. You say you want you want a twenty-year-old body. I tell you, at twenty, I was thinking my body is on the way out. So um, I had to, to stop playing rugby because uh, uh, things were hurting around the knee area. So yeah, you get brand new and you want all those things. But I want you to think brand new in a different way. Jesus is going to give a sermon. And 
in the next three chapters he will give the sermon, 5, 6 and 7. And every time you get to this part of the Bible, I want you to think brand new people. Okay? So for the rest of November and December and January and a bit of February, going through the sermon, keep thinking brand new people. That's what it's about. Okay? Now you understand the sermon, don't you? That's where we're going. But it's different to the brand new that you and I know. Because normally, brand new means sparkly and exciting on the outside. Even the body is ultimately on the outside, isn't it? Certainly the kitchen, the car and the house would be. But we're going to be seeing the brand new happens on the inside. And so the first 12 verses that we're looking at today in Matthew chapter 5 describe a brand new person on the inside. What's it going to be like? just want to say before we really get in that Hannah's little slot was brilliant. And we want, we want to be seeing, if you want to picture brand new and you want a picture of something in your mind, think of Hannah's little uh, gift. Okay, This is all God's work and it's all God's gift. And you see that as we go through. And I want to make two points. Brand new happens because Jesus is king. And brand new are the signs that he is king in your life. Okay, brand new happens because Jesus is king. And brand new are the signs that he is king in your life. With me so far? Good. It's actually on a piece of paper if you aren't, but uh, you look like you've got it. Okay. Now, it all starts because Jesus is king. Now, you might remember in the old part of the Bible, we're in the new part now, but in the old part of the Bible, there was a time when everybody understood that God was a massive king. And you see that in the story when his people were slaves in Egypt and the most powerful king at that time, King Pharaoh of Egypt, wouldn't let the people go when God had said, let them go. And Pharaoh wouldn't listen and he took on God and he lost. And God is the king who got all his people who were slaves out of slavery and he took them out from that king and killed the king and the country. Okay? God showed the greatness of his rule. And straight from there, he took them to a mountain, Mount Sinai. And there was God on the mountain. The mountain was smoky, on fire, and uh, Moses was there uh, taking them and telling them, don't come near the mountain. It's dangerous to be close to God. And God calls the people and he says, I'm going to give you ten commandments because anybody who lives with me as their king will live a life like this. Now, here's Jesus. Verse 1. God's on the mountain again. Jesus has come. And already we've seen before in Matthew's Gospel that 
uh, we've got connections with that Moses story. So you might remember, right at the start, Jesus had to go and live in Egypt to escape the child killer, Herod. And out of Egypt, God calls his son, the way he did with the people of Israel. (coughs) And as they came out of Egypt, they had to go through a desert. And in the last chapter, Matthew chapter 4, we saw Jesus going through the desert. And uh, where the people got it wrong in the desert. Jesus gets it right. And now they are here at the mountain. And he calls his people to him. And in the old mountain, remember they got how many commandments? Ten. And now we're on the new mountain. And the old mountain said there are ten things God's people will do. And on the new mountain, Jesus is saying there's eight ways his people will live. And we're going to be looking at them tonight. So there's a lot that is almost the same between what's happening here and what's happened when uh, the people were with Moses on that mountain. But there are big differences too. You see, in the old part, they had to keep off the mountain for their safety. They couldn't come anywhere near. If they stepped foot on the mountain, it would be loss of life. But now, you know, verse 1, Jesus is actually saying, come and be with me. This time you can be with God and you're safe. Something new is happening that will bring safety when people are with God. And he tells his people who the blessed ones are, the signs of his favour. Now, in the Old Testament, there were three signs of God's favour, and that is you would have lots of land, you would have a large family, and you would be protected from harm. In the Old Testament, those were all signs of God's favour, all on the outside. But now, and you can imagine what a great shock it would be for a Jew who's thinking that way, to hear these words, seriously? Is this what a favoured person looks like? They're broken, that their lives are sad and mourn? But Jesus says, I'm going to tell you that these people are absolutely blessed because these things show that there is new life inside you, that you are a brand new person. And so the signs of the kingdom are all signs on the inside. And they're all signs that God is king and uh, bringing his people to live this way, okay? So the first thing to say is there are all signs that God is king. And the second thing I want to say is that there are all signs of God's favour. Now there are lots of uh, Bible versions, especially the simple English versions, that don't use the word blessed is, blessed is, blessed is. They say happy is, happy is. Happy is. That's not helpful. Happy is to do with feelings. Blessed is to do with favour. And that tells you that uh, there is favour of God in your life. It tells you that you are favoured if you are 
approved by him. It tells you that you are a brand new person. That the kingdom of heaven is yours. Other gospel writers use the expression kingdom of God, but Matthew is writing mainly to Jewish people and they don't like to throw the name of God around and so therefore Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. And if you are in the kingdom of heaven, these are the signs of God's favour and blessing. Not just for these guys on the Mount of Jesus in Matthew 5, but for billions of people right across the world. If you are a person under God's favour, these things will be true. These eight things will be true. And notice that there are eight of them. They normally, incidentally, blessings are things that normally come from God to us. So Jesus is not saying, go off and do these things. They're called blessings that you receive rather than orders for things that you have to do. Do you see the difference? As one commentator said, these are beatitudes, not imperatives. So uh, they're not, in other words, things that you have to do. These are different things that you are given. Only those who are disciples can live like this. Others won't. And they will live like this in all eight areas. Because all these eight things are not like cars in a car park. You can choose which one to drive and use. Bring it back and try another one. These are more like carriages in a train. They come together. And all the carriages are pulled by God's engine of grace. And he's the one who causes the carriages to move in these directions. So if you're simply someone in, or if you're in church today and you simply want to know, well, what is it like to be a person under God's favour? Verses 3 to 12 will tell you. This is what a brand new person is like if you are under God's favour. So as we go through the eight things, keep asking yourself, is this you? Okay? We start with the first one, the poor in spirit. And that's in verse 3. Verse who poor in spirit. In other words, whose spiritual pockets, if you like, are empty. Remember Jesus once told the story of two men who both went into a temple to pray, the, the, the Jewish temple. And he said, one lived brilliantly for God. He was really outstanding. The other person was at the back, and he wouldn't even look up to God. And he said, oh God, I'm so, so far from you. But Jesus says, that's the person who was poor in spirit. He's the one who went home brand new. The favoured person feels, God, I'm so far from you at the moment. I absolutely need Jesus. The, per- the person who uh, wants uh, uh, Jesus that much is the person who is favoured, like the one in the temple who went home with new life. The most favoured person in the Old Testament was a man called David and he had all the Old Testament blessings. He had big land, after all he was a king and he had a big family and he was protected from harm. So he had all those Old Testament blessings. He was blessed in the Old Testament. But then one day 
he got it badly wrong. He let God down so much. And on that day, he discovered the real blessing and the favour of God. And it's there in chapter, it's in Psalm 51 and uh, verse 17. And uh, if you want to have a look at it, it's on page 474. Page 474, Psalm 51, verse 17. If you're lazy, don't worry, I'll read it to you. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And if you're someone who is broken in spirit, God, I've got it wrong, I'm far from you, but then you are one of the favoured ones. Because most people proudly don't let themselves think that way. Okay? Poor in spirit. Those who mourn. When a person dies, this is verse 4, and when a person dies, uh, they mourn the person that they love because they missed him so much. And as the favoured one, the blessed one, looks on a world without God, he says, or she says, God, we need you here. This world is just empty without you. Jesus had a brother. The brother was called James. James uh, wrote a letter, and uh, it's on page uh, 1013 in the Black Bible, page 1013, James chapter 4, verse 9. He talks what, uh, he describes what mourning looks like. And he says uh, in chapter 4, verse 9, Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to glue. Now, we don't think that sounds like a bundle of fun, does it? But that's what James is saying. Stop laughing so much. Have a cry. Because generally, we want everything to be funny. Now, look, I like funny things. Uh, I am a funny person. But... uh, Generally, we go to the comedy show and, well, life is just a distraction, isn't it? We want to avoid life. That's why we laugh very often. We want to be something to distract us from the sadness of life that we find ourselves in. But those who mourn, who are favoured, say, look, that's not enough. That's superficial. I want deeper. Ultimately, I'm hating it that Jesus isn't here. And real comfort comes when Jesus comes back. And until then, we mourn every day that he isn't here. And that's what uh, verse uh, 4 is about. Verse 5. Blessed are those who are meek. Please note, the meek are not the weak. Okay, a lot of people say and mock this verse and say, well, the meek people are the people who are kind of, you know, wet blankets and you are a doormat that people can ride on. That's not what meekness is. You know, it is when people make, a, make fun of the Bible and say, the meek will inherit the earth if, if it's all right with you. Uh, no, it's not that kind of uh, person we're talking about. Moses 
and uh, I'll yeah, just take you the fourth book of the Bible, uh, and I'll tell you the page, uh, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, and Moses in chapter, so page 90, right at the start, page 90, and Moses chapter 12, verse 3 says, uh, it describes uh, him, uh, sorry, um, <clears throat> I, I was in Leviticus then, so don't go there, 120. Uh, Rob's always far more helpful on the sidelines than I am on stage. Um, so, there we are, page 120, uh, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. This is what it says. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Now this is the man who happens to look uh, King Pharaoh in the face and tells him where he's getting off. This is the man who led an incredible number of people and is the meekest person on the earth. What does that mean? It means that he wasn't pushing himself forward all the time. He was putting others first. So meekness isn't submission to others because they just don't have the resources to be anything else. Now, they are the ones who are favoured. In the Old Testament, the favoured ones were the people that came out of Egypt and they were given a whole new country to live in that, they were called, that, that, that country was called their inheritance. And uh, Jesus used the same uh, expression here and he says, One day I'll give you the earth as your inheritance. That's another way of saying one day there will be a new heaven and new earth and the new earth will be populated by strong people but who are meek, who want to push others forward and be servants. Fancy living in a world of strong people who use their strength to serve others. Jesus says that will be uh, the inheritance that people have. Now again, it's... um, it's uh, a sign of God's favour if you are like that now. Then there are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness in verse 6. Now look, if you've been a Christian, you've read this word righteousness in the Bible a lot. Usually it's the Apostle Paul talking about this word. And he talks about it like a status that God gives you, like justification you are righteous, a kind of uh, identity that God gives you. But Matthew is not Paul, he's not saying that. Matthew is talking about people who want to live rightly in front of God more than anything else. Let me describe how this week I had a meeting with a couple of people and it was going to be a very difficult meeting because uh, I'd hurt them and I felt that they had hurt me. And verse 6 turned it into a wonderful meeting because I read it that day and it gave me the desire as I drove to the house to be more righteous than right. So I walked in through the door hungering for righteousness more than to be right. And at the end of the evening we didn't fix the differences, we didn't agree on what was right, but I drove home wonderfully satisfied. Because people I've been speaking to said that I had spoken righteously to them, 
And it was wonderful that they had spoken righteously to me. And it was just a, a wonderful blessing to be satisfied with an evening like that. Staggering experience. And God taught me there's more satisfaction in being righteous than in being right. It's that satisfaction that opens the door, in this particular case, to a friendship and we're feeding our way towards oneness that we might be reconciled. But hungry and thirsting after righteousness is what will get us there. Then there's the merciful. And the favoured person is God's mercy entering his, his, his or her life and God's mercy flowing out of his or her life. Now the Jews weren't like that. The Jews had a lot of time for ritual purity. They washed themselves lots. Religious people had that kind of ritual to-do list. Muslims wash themselves lots. But Jesus says that that doesn't actually clean us up on the inside because inside of us we are messed up. And you might just want to just uh, flick over just a couple of pages to Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19 and that is on page 821 Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19 Jesus says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, make you unclean. But to eat with unwashed hands, if your hands are dirty, in other words, that doesn't defile you. But uh, this, sorry, I've, I've, I've got that wrong, haven't I? Forget all I said. I'll come back and say it again in a minute. I'm talking about the merciful, I think. I slipped my place. Let me talk about the merciful. Jesus spoke about a person who had been forgiven billions, but who wouldn't forgive a hundred. And it works like this in real life. You can tell who the favoured ones are when someone hurts you. Initially we might lose it, but in the end we want anger to be replaced with mercy. And they receive grace and mercy in order to be like that. It goes like this. The person who is hurt says, I've received so much mercy, I've got some to give away. And I know you've hurt me, and I'm going to be like that with you. Blessed are the merciful. They should be given mercy to be merciful with. The, ins the, the incoming mercy will flow to others as well. Now, we're talking about the pure. With me? Because the favoured person has a new fountain inside them. This is where I want to tell you that the Jews had this kind of ritual purity system where they washed themselves all the time. And generally religious people have those rituals, as I said. Certainly the Muslims do. But as I told you from Matthew chapter 15 verse 19, what really defiles you is the kind of stuff you think about. 
the kind of uh, thoughts that come into your mind, that's what actually makes you unclean. And when the new life begins, when you're brand new, and when God has got his favour on you, where Jesus said somewhere else, it's like out of your heart flow fountains of living water. And a bit like these slides the children have when they go to the theme park and they're in the water uh, channels. And they're on a little boat that kind of is propelled towards uh, one place. So the streams of living water propels the favoured person to want to think about what is pure rather than to uh, let the heart get dirty. Peacemakers. They're the ones that end hostilities and bring quarrelsomes together. And therefore, sons of God, because exactly that's what Jesus did on the cross. He brought people who were quarrelling with God back to God. And the greatest peacemakers, therefore, are what we might call today the evangelists. They're the ones who are in the world trying to bring and fix the relationship that people who are ultimately away from God uh, become friends with God. And the favoured ones, you can tell who they are because they want to do that. They see the world as a place where they want to bring peace. And then lastly, the persecuted. They're perhaps the most unexpected sign of God's favour favour because you wouldn't think God favours you if someone's beating you up but that is the sign of God's favour because that is when the world outside can see what's in your inside that you are close to God and they don't like it and so the persecution points out is the world's way of pointing out who the favoured ones are in verse 12 the prophets were favoured and the prophets were favoured and they were the ones who were closest to God they had God's word and uh, they were targets and in the New Testament the people who are favoured were targets the apostles they were beaten up and in Acts chapter 5 verse 41 what did they do? they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be suffering for the name. And so, uh, the blessed ones uh, are marked people, but marked by the world as the blessed ones. But usually marked with scars and persecution. So these are eight signs of God's favour. Now it might just be worth asking, how might these things help us? Let me (coughs) speak to you. If you're someone who is new to Christianity, and you've not really thought very much about it before. What's the message? The message is, seek God's favour. Ask Jesus to let you into his kingdom and to make you a brand new person and these signs of his favour will be yours. Every one of them. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because normally in religion, in life, you have to earn favour like Hannah's little merit card. But the Bible says, no, you have the favour if you admit that you don't deserve favour. That you are someone who is poor in spirit because you feel far from God. And your life is empty as you listen to me tonight. Because you don't have him in it. 
and you want to be therefore like someone who mourns. And you want more than anything else to be changed into a brand new person. But that would be a wonderful thing. Seek God's favour tonight. Ask him to give you his favour that these things might be beginning to appear in your life. Secondly, if you've been to church, what might we, what might we get from this? Let me tell you that uh, going to church uh, is not always the best thing. Because what can happen is we can program ourselves to think that we need to put on a show. And so we can do the right things on the outside, but not be brand new on the inside, not born again. It's like those two men who went to the temple. They were both in church, But at the end of the service, all one had done is go to church. But the other one went home brand new. And that is uh, the difference that brand new makes. So it's worth asking, look at chapter 3 verse 12, worth asking, is this me? Or am I just going to church? It's a good question. And then lastly, if you're a believer... If Jesus is your king, you have God's favour. Tune your eyes to see that this is what it looks like. Because when you find yourself sad at your lack of progress as a Christian, or you're feeling down in a world without Jesus, that doesn't mean you give up. It means that you are encouraged. You have God's favour. Others may look down on you for feeling like this. Really, we should look up to you. You are favoured and very blessed. The kingdom is yours. God's comfort is yours. The inheritance of the world is yours. Deep satisfaction is yours. God's deep mercy is yours. God's name is yours. You can't get more favour than that. And as we think of brand new, these are the brand new things that we should value. If you're brand new, love brand new. Love this brand new. And rejoice as a Christian. If these things are true in your life, be mightily encouraged. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. If you haven't got these things in your life, my friends, be worried. Worry for yourself. Seriously worry for yourself. Otherwise, you just play the game, you go along, and nothing is new. And therefore, nothing will last. Let's pray for a minute that uh, God might help us to really take these things in and uh, hold on to them uh, seriously. A minute to pray, and then I'll pray. Let's uh, just have that moment of quiet together. But let me pray together. We'll lead you rather in prayer. Our great God, we know that uh, there's a lot in our hearts that want brand new in lots of different things. It's so easy for us, Lord, to want brand new on the outside. 
please will you give us an appetite for brand new on the inside. And as we go through this sermon, help us to understand what a brand new person is. And to be grateful to you for creating brand new in us. And give us tracks down which we can channel our desires to be wanting to be made even more brand new in the way that we live, in the people that we are. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.